Lean forward slightly. Look straight at the speaker. And listen with a sparkle in your eye. As though you might be thinking, gee, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever heard in all my life. Straight out of the burbs of L.A., this is So I Married a Movie Geek. You're listening to a very special 150th episode of So I Married a Movie Geek. Congratulations, guys. We've made it this far. (laughs) And to the one or two of you, hi, Mom, who's been listening since the very beginning. Oh, my God. I don't know how you made it this far. We love you. Thank you. For everyone else, welcome to the show for the first time. I'm Chrissy McQueen. Justin Winters is over here um, giving me this eye of like, why you talk so much? And yet he's not saying a word. Justin. What's up? Do you have thoughts? Um, Yeah, man. that's It's a crazy number. It's a crazy, crazy number. We've had a long time to get there, though. Oh, my God. Like a, a long, long time. time. We started this podcast back in 2009, which was the same year we got married. And then we had children <laughs> and took a hiatus starting in 2012 and uh, just came back last year. No, it was 2013. We stopped. Oh, that's right. We tried keeping it going after she was born. And then uh, we were off for pretty much three years, almost to the week, mm-hmm. and came back. And then now we're almost uh, a year back. Has it really been a year? Almost. Yeah. Sometime Since in our April. Reboot? Sometime in April. So Wow. And now we're hitting the old round uh, 150. I was thinking, do you remember what we did for episode 100? No. Lord of the Rings. Oh, dear God. So I don't know if anyone's heard the episode, but uh, it took me years to get Christy to watch Lord of the Rings. And then when I did, we watched the extended versions, and it took forever. Back to back to back to back to back. Forever. Well, if I'm not mistaken, I was either pregnant or I just had a baby at the time when we were doing this, too. This You were pregnant. Okay. So the narcolepsy was really starting to get underway. Like <laughs> It was bad. It was bad. And it took us a week, at it, least. To this day, I don't remember a ton of those movies. Or what they're about, except trekking to get a ring, and there's Gollum. <laughs> there was lots of impressions. I remember that. Yeah, that's probably right. Um, but yeah, man, it's really weird. It's like that's a lot of talking. A lot of talking. It is a lot of talk. A lot of movies for every a lot ta- of movies for every episode we do. That's a lot more movies than there is actual talking. A lot of bad impressions. A lot of ums and ahs and. And not, jokes, and not editing. Um, <laughs> We're sorry. So, um, but I'm proud that we made it. I am too. <laughs> Thanks for doing it with me, Chris. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for <laughs> having me. Having you? This is a co-podcast. We come together 50-50. I know. Um... And in that respect, uh, it being 150, we decided that we were going to do it up a little bit. Oh, we did. So it's it the end, up. end of Manly Movie March, number one. God. 
Uh, number two, we got some brie cheese, some wheat fins. <laughs> we're pretending, we got snacks on snacks on snacks. We're basically pretending it's college, but like classy college. Like when you were in college, you had like pieces of cheddar and some crackers laid out while you had your drinks. And now we're like drinking with brie because now we're classy. Um, we've got sangria. Woo woo. For the first time in like a, a month or two, at least. It's a pain in the ass to make. I'm not going to lie. And not only sangria, but as Chrissy calls it, dangerous sangria. I'm incapable of making sangria that's like, here's some wine, here's some juice, and maybe some seltzer and fruit. Ta-da! What does like, dangerous mean? It means I mix a lot of alcohol, <laughs> and it's very sweet. So you probably underestimate how much alcohol you're taking in when you're drinking it because you think, wow, this just tastes sweet. Okay, and then you just keep drinking it, but no. So that's what we're working with. <laughs> um, sangria. Uh, we also have the return of the uh, mystery snack challenge this week, but we're turning it on his head, and Chrissy is the one that created the mystery snack challenge this time. I'm so excited. Um, I don't know what it is. It's going to happen in the intermission between the two movies, and I'm really, really excited for this i will not tell you a thing but i'm just curious do you have any ideas as to what i don't it could know be? if you could you know i don't know if you could beat the wiener twinkie sandwich God, or terrible. or gummy boobs gummy boobs i don't know though gummy boobs Gummy boots was kind of a disappointment. I gotta. It was. I gotta admit. <laughs> um, I think this beats gummy boobs. Uh-huh. I don't know if it necessarily beats Twinkie hot dog. What? Own your mystery snack challenge. Well, because Twinkie, you, you're supposed to be like, this is the best one ever. Um. Well, I am. Hold on. Twinkie hot dog was born out of what we were watching when you told me, "Hey, mystery snack challenge, do what you want." And I said, "I don't have to have it make sense with any movies." And you went, "Nope." It just seems out of left field. I was making it easier for you, Chrissy. You're well, welcome. I appreciate it because you told me I have like a few hours crazy, to come up with it. Cra- that is not true. Like a I few? told you earlier this week, don't be a liar. How Fake far? news. <laughs> How far ago this week did you tell <laughs> Four me? Four or five days ago. Sure. I swear. Okay. Anyway. The either way, together. I'm excited for that because I like snacks. And uh, Enjoy I've, this. I've already drank lots of sangria. So. Oh, boy. Um... But also being 150, we wanted to uh, choose a couple movies that have been requested a couple times. We did a poll, uh, I think it was earlier this year, and it was one of the, I don't think it won the poll, but I think it was second place in terms of things. Good enough for us. Chrissy hasn't seen yet. Um, We saw (laughs) the first one way, way back in the day on this podcast, which means Chrissy um, didn't remember a lot of it. You know what I'm saying? uh, I don't think you really need to for, for these. They're kind of whatever. it would have been useful because there were times where I'm like, what is she doing in this movie? Why is she here? And you were like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's every, like, it's it's just the, those are the, the cards I'm dealt with you, Chris. Well, you're welcome. I work with them. I work with them. So the two movies that we watched this week were Die Hard 2, um, sometimes known as Die Hard 2, Die Harder, and uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance, which is the third one, Die Hard 3. 
So two things. Number one, when you jump a fucking claim, when you said we were going to do these movies, you were like, it's going to be perfect because it's our 150th episode. Drunk harder. <laughs> no, hashtag drunk hard. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Not drunk harder. <laughs> Might get. I mean, we still have sync. Look, look at all this. We got to have a lot of sangria as I drink some get going here. So that was kind of, I think, part of. <laughs> <laughs> the impetus to do this. Yikes, I just got some vodka. There you go. Secondarily, I was really confused when you told me we were watching these films because I was like, wait, wait, hold on. You mean there are more diehards? Yes. I was like, Chrissy, there's so much more. So much more. Right. And not only that, but here's the many the- ways in, in, in which he died. And well, he doesn't die. He doesn't die. <laughs> he could die harder. He could die hard with a vengeance. He could. He but could he live free and die hard. He could do the other die hards. The only title I've ever been familiar with is Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah. In fact, when I would joke around as a kid or something, I'd be like, Die Hard with a Vengeance on the playground. And You would say that? <laughs> I might have. Oh, man. How old were you? Like 10 or 11. Oh, my gosh, Chrissy. Do 11. you realize that in like uh, <laughs> an alternate universe... Like if I, it was like sliders and I like slid into the playground with you and uh, 10 or 11 year old Justin heard Chrissy, 10 year, 11 year old Chrissy say, die hard with a fidget. I would have been like, what, what, what'd you say? What, what's, what's going on? And then I would have been like, you know, the one movie, it's like all action and explosions. Cause that's as far as I and understood anything. Like, I love you. <laughs> Let's go have ice cream together. Choco taco, choco taco, mint chocolate chip. But then I was blown away when I found out that Die Hard with the Vengeance was not again the singular Die Hard film, and that apparently there are so many more, and even more that I didn't already see. It. I thought that was like the the first one. So when you told me we we're going to watch that, it was like who's on first? I'm like, what do you mean? We already saw that, huh? You were totally surprised. I was very surprised. So many surprises this week for you. Yeah, it's a growing week for me. <laughs> um. So yeah, let's let's get right to it, Chris. Let's, we should. Let's start with our first movie. Um, Die is, Harder. It, it is from the year <laughs> 1990. Die Hard 2. Yep. Emergencies. We are in a cold yellow. Instrument landing system is down. Backup systems won't come up. Every system's dead. These guys shut us down. Attention all controllers. We have a code red alert. We just bought maybe two hours. After that, those planes low on fuel aren't going to be circling. They're going to be dropping on the White House lawn. I want every officer recalled and assembled in body armor with full weaponry in the motor pool in five minutes. It's time to kick it. Alan SWAT team's gone. Well, maybe they're just a little bit more creative than you think. Start looking for a new miracle. Who the hell is this? We don't need a loose cannon on this deck. You get the hell out of my office before I throw you out of my damn airport. You're the wrong guy in the wrong place at the wrong time. Story of my life. They say lightning doesn't strike twice. I spent Christmas last year. They were wrong. McLean, this is what you were expecting. Nah, this is just the beginning. Willis, Die Hard 2, Die Harder. 
sometimes known as Die Harder. Justin just looks at me with these crazy eyes sometimes. Like, I'd better know what I'm talking about. I'm like, okay, yes, it's Die Hard 2. I agree. Well, Chris, let's be honest with ourselves. Before we started taping, you're like, no, the, no, no. By the way. No, 150th episode. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> so here's the log line for, for everyone at home who might have never seen Die Hard 2. For Chrissy, who I don't know if she remembers it. It was three days ago. We probably watched it. <laughs> I hate you. It says, John McClane attempts to avert disaster as rogue military operatives seize control of Dole's International Airport in Washington, D.C. Yes. There you go. Die Hard 2. I knew that. Die Harder. Uh-huh. Um, so, Chrissy, not knowing, not remembering the first one that well, Die Hard. Yeah. Only the greatest Christmas movie of all time. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh boy. Um what did you think of Die Hard 2? Did he did he in, actually die harder in this one? You know, Was it there had an increase in difficulty level. It had its moments. I mean, it's not like uh the type of movie that just makes you want to gouge your eyes out. You're like, why am I watching this? Why am I forcing myself to stay up late? But it wasn't something I particularly loved. It reminded me of a helium balloon. Filled to the effing brim. Like the type that's so filled up. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I've heard this one before. Is this the... (laughs) That analogy? Yes. So you fill it up. All the way, though. Like all All, the way. This is your favorite analogy for movies. Why do I feel like I've I've never, ever given this this before? This This feels like the first time. You fill it up to the brim. And then you just like start slowly letting it it out. It's like... (laughs) Like that, right? (laughs) Until at the end, you have nothing. And you're like, what? Where did all the helium go? (laughs) Really? I've said this before? Oh, my gosh, Chrissy. This is embarrassing. (laughs) I'm going to drink sangria. Tell me more about Die Hard 2. (laughs) Well, they were big on technology, Justin. I don't know if you noticed. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So, I haven't seen... I love Die Hard, the first one, guys. Like, love. It's probably one of my top 20 favorite movies of all time. I've seen it dozens of times. The first one. Die Hard 2, I've maybe seen this one, I don't know, three or four times maybe. And not not in many years as I've seen it. Same thing for Die Hard 3. So watching this, I was just like, oh man, these are going to be Chrissy's favorite parts. And when they start coming up with the 90s technology, I'm like, oh, there you go. <laughs> Too bad this movie's not in LA. Then Chrissy would be like, that's the corner of Sepulveda and blah, blah, blah. Am I that? This is my favorite, my favorite part of the movie because I know where they're filming this. That would have made it so much better. <laughs> That's such a weird thing. Like, <laughs> it's hard enough to keep you pay, paying attention to the actual like plot, what people are saying, but when there's shiny keys, like. 90s technology. <laughs> well, here's the thing. There wasn't just 90s technology like, oh, look at that. I have a flip phone. It was like hitting you over the head with it. Like he checks his pager and he's not like, he doesn't just look at his belt clip like, oh, look, my beeper went off. Like he takes it full out. He's like, um, I have a page. <laughs> like, Is that what he did? Basically. It was like Shakespeare in the park. And, <laughs> and he made this big deal. Of going over to like have his page. I have a page. (laughs) I have the conch. And then later on, when um, they were using the Zach Morris style cell phones, they were like, 
use the mobile number for the mobile phone. And I'm like, oh. And then my favorite was the fax machine and the lady who ran the fax machine. There's a whole scene that revolves around the fax, a fax machine in this movie. <laughs> and the reasoning behind it is probably just for a stupid uh, faxing joke, basically, at the end. But here's the just thing. Just the fax, ma'am. It, it, it was it was literally is that the just same so scene with uh, Carl Winslow? I think it is. I think it is. Poor Carl Winslow, Man. Reginald Vell Johnson. This this movie that and Dennis Franz. That's probably the 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 major downfall of Die Hard Two. There's not at least five hundred percent more Reginald Vell Johnson in this movie. There really should be. I feel he bad just for plays him. an excellent cop. They like they like cut to him. You know, like fifteen minutes into the movie, and he's like. Swimming in Twinkies, like it's a joke. <laughs> Remember that guy? The guy, the cop that loved Twinkies. Well, guess what? Now, now he's at a desk filled with them. <laughs> he's back, and now he has a fax machine. Mister Twinkie fax machine, Carl Winslow. <laughs> and in the same uh, breath, we have Dennis France, who's played a cop more times and for more years than I can count. And I actually went so far as to look it up while we were watching the movie. I was like, is he playing the same character that he played in NYPD Blue? And they just like wrote that character into this movie. But no, two different characters. No. No. He plays a terrible, terrible person throughout most of the Yeah. Movie. So wait, so Die Hard 2. Yes. You don't like it as much as the first one. Wait, you don't even remember the first one. I so don't. you can't even compare. But I'm comparing the, the next did- one. I was asking what you liked, and you said the 90s technology. <laughs> Is that it? Uh, there was a snowmobile scene. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We're really digging deep here. <laughs> Please explain the snowmobile scene, Chris. So John McClane, he who does not die harder, is uh, on a snowmobile basically chasing... I couldn't tell actually. Is he chasing or being chased by? I don't know. Well, that's the ma- that's the other major problem. The, the you know, not know. a lot of original Bill Johnson in this movie. Number two, watching it, a good sixty to sixty five this sixty five percent of this movie doesn't make a fucking lick of sense at all. I'm so glad you said that. God, I feel better. <laughs> I just felt like the world come off my shoulders and relief. It's so sad because the first movie is such a. Easy to understand story. It's linear. It's self-contained in a building, you know, uh, during its the Quite most literally. of its runtime. Um, there's not a ton of characters to get mixed up. You know, you know who the good guy is. You know who the bad guys are. You know who the people caught in the middle. You know, I just have a movie. really hard time due to my stupidity with movies that aren't linear and and this was not. And I'm like, Bruh? like off to the side, like. This scene that apparently was one of my favorites. <laughs> I'm like, who's being chased? I don't know. Speaking of logic leaps, a snowmobile. <laughs> yes. John McClane in a snowmobile um, jumps over a big rig. A big rig while being shot at. That comes out of nowhere by machine guns by multiple people. Nowhere. It's like, where did this truck come from? Who cares? And then it like the the snowmobile the, the snowmobile it free willies over it, it free willies over this big rig and just explodes in a ball of flames. But he lives because he so, had the audacity or uh, not audacity, but I can't remember that word. Actually, to that's, jump off. that thing that is the perfect uh, example of this movie. It's like, oh, that was cool, 
but what was that? <laughs> like, that doesn't make sense. See, that's the difference between you and I, because I don't care about this movie. So, like, you see that and you're like, that's cool, but, like, what's happening? And this doesn't make sense. And you're, like, pondering it and trying to figure it out. And I'm like, whoa, look at that snowmobile. It just cleared that big rig. Cool. Can I go to sleep yet? <laughs> Is there more 90s technology coming up? <laughs> I better stay awake in case they come up with like those call lines that you could call in and like talk to friends. <laughs> Which one are you talking about? The call lines? Would you call in and talk to friends? <laughs> I think it was more of an eighties thing. But oh, wait a minute, party John, lines. John McClane is is ordering Columbia House DVDs. <laughs> yes, so much better. Oh no, only wait. only six four ninety nine cents. Oh oh, hold on, I have to check my other device. You've got mail. <laughs> Gotta check my AOL account. <laughs> have you got the latest Girls Gone Wild tapes? I've only got ten hours free on this disc before I have to get a new disc. Um. So you like the nineties technology, okay? <laughs> and the snowmobile scene. Um. Let me ask you this, Chris. Sure. Would you be friends with John McClane? That would be a poor choice. So if you, whatever happened to him in the first movie, you remember there was a building. Yes. You know, an explosion, an elevator. He saved the day. Yes. He saved his wife. Yeah. From certain doom. Um, would you be friends with him after that? Like, would you be like, hey, man, like, yeah, hanging out. Well, okay, no, no, wait. After that, like, sure. Like, I'd be like, yeah, look at that nice guy. He's a hero. Cool. But then, like, this happens. Die Hard 2. And uh, I would be like Homer Simpson fading into the bush. I'd be like, like, goodbye. Wait a second, man. (laughs) Yeah. Let's not hang out. No, you know what it is? And I said this on a podcast episode. Ring, ring. Hello? Ring, ring. Hello? Oh, what's up? What's up, Chrissy? This is John McClain. I was just calling to see if you wanted to hang out this weekend. Maybe go to a a football game yeah, at a major sports yeah. stadium in the middle mm-hmm. of Los Angeles. That's cool. I have to wash my hair and check my pager. Um, I I'm sep I'm separated from my wife. I think it's kind of complicated, but I do need love. Oh wait, hold on. I'm breaking up. Oops. I love that you're breaking up is crinkling a wheat thins bag. <laughs> My cell phone is breaking up. It's the 90s. It worked. So what you're saying is <laughs> hanging out with uh, with uh, Bruce Willie, well, with John McClane, is, gets kind of dangerous. I'm just saying, and I said this on a podcast episode who knows how long ago. About uh, Kiefer Sutherland in 24. You asked me if I would be friends with Jack. And I was like, that is a poor decision. Because Jack is always wanted for something. Or he's forced to like deal with hostage hostages and hostage um, takers. And which, you're just like a sitting duck to be a hostage. You to choose between Jack Bauer and John McClane. Who would I rather be friends with? Who would you rather be friends with? Oh, dear. Um, I'm gonna say, God, this is Jack hard. Bauer's not as grumpy, maybe. I was gonna say, well, Jack Bauer's a happy drunk. I've seen the video where he goes into the Christmas tree. Well, that wasn't Jack Bauer. I that know. was actually Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but he did tackle the hell out of that Christmas tree. Yeah. Um, probably Jack. Yeah, he'd have more interesting stories. I feel like nothing happens in John McClane's life outside of these events. <laughs> 
Like he just kind of like continues on. That's the other thing. What's these two movies? I, I'm like trying to piece together what happened between the movies because this one, Die Hard Two, happens two years after Die Hard One, right? And um, you know, I'm like, oh, what happened with like him and his wife, and you know, how are they doing? And after he saved the day, why isn't he like a bigger dude? Like, why do people respect him more in this fucking movie? A lot of this movie is him just being butting heads against people who think they're in charge over him. And he's like, I'm John McClane. Didn't you didn't you see Die Hard One? And they're like, you We know? don't care about the LAPD. He's like, Man, like I'm here, like wait for my wife. You know, you know something's gotta go wrong. Basically. You know, I'm here for my wife. Things are going going wrong. I saw some some dudes with guns, I think. I or think. They looked suspicious. But I think I'll go in the back baggage area and figure it out myself. So if I had to remember scenes from Die Hard 2 after not seeing it for decades or whatever, um, I told Christy the the first part of the movie where there's a big uh, gunfight in the baggage inside. Right. How would you say the inside? It's the where baggage do bags claim. Go? When you see, we drop off your bags at the, the beginning of the, the airport and it goes, you know, on the conveyor belt. Yeah. Where does it go? After it disappears. Apparently, there's like a uh, a maze of conveyor belts just everywhere back there with bags going up and down and, you know. Or so this movie would have us believe. It's like the the, the space mountain of, of airplane bags back there, <laughs> except for it's, you know, not in the dark. Have you been, you've been on Space Mountain where they had to turn on the lights, right? Oh, one time, I believe, Yes. And it was very Doesn't much, that ruin everything? Oh, my God. It was You're such like, a letdown. like, whoa, wait. Down. Turn them off. Stop. Yeah. I was like, is this just a giant room with a roller coaster in it? Is that literally what I waited 90 minutes in line for? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what just happened. Oh, man. I'm not in space. Like, I'm not speeding through the galaxy. Damn it. Yeah, no, their uh, lighting and wind and all that sort of stuff makes a huge difference because without it is literally a roller coaster in a room. Although when you're huge like me, like super tall and they turn on the lights, you're like, oh my God, well, how was I not beheaded several times on this roller coaster? <laughs> like, I got to get small if I want to be safe. Yep. Um, so yeah, the baggage claim area when we were watching that, I'm like, Chrissy. This is every time I'm at an airport, I'm like, oh, back there is when the Die Hard 2 magic happens. That's where people die. You know, it does make a lot more sense now how you were super into that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty cool action scene. Sure. They're just jumping around on the conveyor belts and people's bags. People's bags were, were literally destroyed. I like, mean- there's another movie. Where people's like, what happened to my bags? I mean, this is clearly why there are problems with lost baggage. John McClane is back there having a knife having, fight. Or a, a logic leap there. A These gun poor fight. people in their bags. <laughs> Every time, I want you to think of this from, from here on out. If you ever lose your luggage in an airport, just know that somewhere back there, John McClane is having one of his in-between-the-movies moments where he's it's having okay. a fight. It's okay. John McClane saves some lives. I mean, sure, why not? Can you explain something to me about these diehard movies in general? Sure. What is with the yippee kaye motherfucker line? Well, you got to have a tagline, number one. Okay. Number two is catchy. Is it? Is it not catchy? I guess. What does he say again? yippee kaye motherfucker. The way you say it's, it sounds cool. Well, would you rather me go yippee kaye motherfucker? <laughs> that sounds exactly right. Do you know what they, they say in like the TBS version? No. Uh, of Die Hard 2 when he says I'd love it. to know, though. Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. 
<laughs> Shut up. No, that's what he says. <laughs> but there's no Mr. Falcon. So there's another logic leap in the TBS version of, of uh, Die Hard 2 when he actually has to say that. I don't know why that makes it so much more fun. Um, also in Die Hard 2 is the return of, uh, what's his name? Richard Thornburg is the character played by William Atherton, who is the guy who plays the asshole, the red-haired asshole journalist. Oh, yeah. This in Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. he plays... The guy that lets out all the ghosts, like, hey. What's happened to him now? What do you mean? He had a few back-to-back movies then, and now what? what is he doing? Uh, I'm sure he's doing stuff. Sure. But not to this caliber. He was in Real Genius, too. But you know he's like, people see him at an airport or something, and are just like, fuck that dude. Yes. Fuck him. That's the problem for he's character actors who play movies. villains. It's It's just... It's really, really hard, I would imagine, anyway, to go on with your daily lives without people having to be like, I saw what you did. Do you know who really gets that sort of treatment? Soap opera villains. Because they're on shows for like 20 years playing the same character. Every single day. Yeah. I've heard stories where they go out and they're like, Ridge, you need to get back together with Brooke, and I don't know what you're doing wasting your time with Carolyn. She's way too young for you, and Brooke has known you forever, and they like get mad at him in public. Bold and beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it. So um, so this movie was directed by Rennie Harlan, um, which I'm looking at the list. Chrissy has never seen any of his movies. Cool. Uh, he directed Nightmare on Elm Street uh, 4, The Dream Master, uh, which Chrissy's never seen. Cliffhanger with Sly Stallone. The Long Kiss Goodnight, which is actually on our lists. Ooh. Um, and Deep Blue Sea, the Crazy Shark movie. Okay. You like Crazy Shark movies? Yeah. Um. Anyway, he's uh, you know, he was a serviceable director for for this. You know? Sure. Basically, what they did is they're like they like, oh man, Die Hard was a success. Let's make it twice as crazy and more twi- explosions and you know, twice as illogical. I actually wanted to ask you because, you know, you are obviously a producer. I was like, how much Coke do you think these producers were on in... All um, the Cokes. Yeah, all the Cokes. <laughs> Give us all the Cokes. In pre-production, they're like, okay, okay. So, 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 so John okay, has like... here's how it goes. He has, he's got a, like a gunfight in the back baggage claim, and then there's an explosion. Boom! And then he comes out this way, and then he gets on the plane. Okay, 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 okay. Let me talk about one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> so, the bad guys, they have some grenades. And Bruce Willie, John McClane, <laughs> is stuck in this plane, and they just like throw all the grenades in the plane. Like they want to kill him, but they give him a heads up by throwing all the grenades, and they just like boop, 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 like right next to him. And literally, the grenades take forever to explode. I was literally like counting says, like one, one thousand. He, 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 he has some tea. He does his taxes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> He gets a haircut. And you know what? He has his tea and does his taxes much in the same way that I do them. I'm like, fuck, fuck, fuck the whole time. I'm <laughs> trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And then he goes, kaboom. No, he, he gets in the ejector seat. Like, that's the main thing I remember for this movie. <laughs> he even had time to strap himself in. 
<laughs> well, he did. Did he not strap himself in? No, he did. Like, that's why I'm laughing. Well, that's I'm what I'm like, saying. He had a lot of stuff to do. Like, he could saying. have done a lot of things. Um, <laughs> you know, he could have just run out of the plane <laughs> with the time he took. That's true. Um, but explodes and... Chrissy, I love that you laughed through that line. He's like, oh, he like explodes. What, like 200 feet into the air? You see this... the seat just go pew up in the uh, air during the explosion. <laughs> that reminds me of something you would do. Not like everything else, just the... Uh. But there's several instances of that. Like in the first movie, he was, you know, a blue collar, regular Joe cop caught in basically the craziest night of his life. Um and in this one, he's Rambo all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> machine guns, explosions, um, just crazy shit. Where does going one get on. the training? I mean, obviously, you're in the police force. That's what I'm saying. Between Die Hard, and Die Hard 1 and Die Hard 2, he must have went to Rambo training school or something because he learned a lot. True that. He learned a lot. Um, who else was in? What do you think of the bad guy in this movie? Do you remember even remember the bad guy in this movie? Um, vaguely. I'm thinking more of the guy on the plane now who was giving Bonnie Bedelia a hard time. Oh, you're talking about William Atherton that we just talked yeah, about? Yeah, 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 yeah. But now I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking of who else. So William Sadler uh, played the bad guy. His name is Stuart. And Stuart. his intro was probably the best and most memorable part about him. And then it kind of went downhill from there. He was introduced... Doing, uh, watching the news in like a hotel room, I think, doing naked Tai Chi. I remember that. Because <laughs> you saw that? I did. Look at those buns. Because when you first Tai Chi saying, buns. When you first said, like, he's remembered for his, it made interesting. I'm like racking my brain like a Rolodex. I'm like, what the, what? what? I don't remember any like introduction scene, but that I remember. Holy shit. Yeah, you so you see this, you're like, oh man, this guy's is crazy. He's crazy, <laughs> you know. Where's his clothes? <laughs> um, does it help him with his tai chi to to do it nude? I don't know. I wouldn't know. And like I said, that's the most memorable scene I think in the movie with him is is that you're like, whoa, and then he kind of gets lost, and that's only compounded by the fact that in one we had Alan Rickman. Oh, playing Alan one of the Rickman. best uh, villains of all time. Rest in so peace, Alan it's a it's a sharp downward. I'm slope. sorry. There's no better. Well, he doesn't eventually become a villain, but but there's no better villain for Alan Rickman for me than Snape. Um. Well, well I almost said it's not fair for you because you, <laughs> Chrissy, Chrissy, you saw the Harry Potter movies because of this podcast too. Yes. I'm saying. Uh, grew, uh, you know, Hans Gruber, Die Hard is kind of the more nostalgic. I grew up with that, you know, villain McGruber. McGruber. <laughs> um, who else is in this movie? Fred Thompson is in this movie, um, who is a, he was a U.S. Senator. Um, fucking T-1000, Robert Patrick is in this movie. Oh, um, that's right. <laughs> Kind of in like the background as the bad guy. So you're watching throughout, you're like, oh man, if they got T1000 on their team, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a, a tough fight. I am so glad that I have my movie geek husband with me to watch these things because I wouldn't have ever known. But he points out to me, he's like, hey, hey, do you know who that is? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know, like who? And he's like, he's the 
bad guy from Terminator 2. And then suddenly all I could see is him in his cop uniform, like just melting and coming back and like giving me sinister expressions. And I'm like, oh my God, you're right. John Amos uh, uh, is in this movie as well as a, like a military is he a general or something military, you know, eh, I do, don't know. Do you know John Amos? No, you don't know. No. Good times. <laughs> Dynamite. The hell are you talking about? You don't know. Any good, relation good show, to Susie times? Amos from Titanic? I have no idea who you're talking about. Oh my gosh, Chris. <laughs> I forget how young you are. Young and beautiful. I mean, thank you. Also, not that much younger than you, but okay. It's weird that you've never heard of Good Times. All right. Well, I mean, I think I've heard of it. It was the 70s show, wasn't it? Uh, Good Times, 70s. Yeah. 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 Well, I wasn't born yet. Well, I'm sorry. Neither were you, by the way. There's this thing called books and the internet that you can learn about things. So is that what you do? History. So wait, is that what you do with your time? You're like, hmm, I'm bored today. I know. I'm going to Google 70s TV shows and then watch them. No, it was still on like and reruns and stuff when I was a kid. Oh, no. What I watched in reruns as a kid was Green Acres. I was about to say, you remember Nick at Night, you know? Yes. Late at Night. Yes, I watched Lucy, Green Acres, uh, Bewitched. Okay. Those were before you were born? Yeah, but they were black and white and they were great. The Honeymooners. Oh, gosh, Chrissy. What? (laughs) To the moon, Alice. I know. I remember. Okay, fine. So, uh, Die Hard 2. 69% 69% on Rotten Tomatoes. A little high. The first one was 92%. This okay. one was 69%. Well, I guess it makes sense then. I think that's high. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> um, it uh, The budget was $70 million estimated, and it grossed $117 million at the box office. Well, all right. Enough reason to make a three. Um, but what else? What else? It's Like I said, the biggest thing, it's really confusing. There's way too much... Stuff going on, like you miss him just being in this self-contained building. And this one, they're like, he's in different parts of the airport. Yeah, where you're I like, I don't know what part of the airport he's in. That okay? That I'm so glad you brought that up because at, at one at? point he was standing outside talking with somebody. It was after the snowmobile incident, and they were like standing near a car. Now I can't remember who he was talking to, and he was like. They were outlining their plans, and it took all of like 15 seconds to basically say, now we're going to go inside and do the thing. And the other guy was like, yes, the thing. And then it like immediately cut to them, you know, in the next scene. I was like... (laughs) Fucking the thing. Right. And I was like, wait, I was like, wait a minute. Was that... (laughs) I was like, was the whole purpose of that scene outside, like in the snow, standing by this car, just to establish that they're going to do the thing? Like, was it necessary? I don't know. But like here we are in this exposition sort of scene, just like I'm going to do the thing. Coke. Oh man. Okay, so I'm going to write the scene where they're talking about what they're going to do in the next scene, and then they just go there. They just go there. There's like a church in this movie where the 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 bad guys. The whole thing in this movie is there. Um, there's this uh, mili- uh like a, a dictator that's coming in right. on a plane. Uh, he's he's under. Like, he's who's coming? He's under arrest. He's I don't know. What are they transporting the criminal? Yeah, and, and these guys are like, oh, we're like gonna nationalist. We're gonna kidnap him. We're gonna take him, <laughs> save him. We're gonna take him. <laughs> um, so they kind of take over the airport, and then they take over this church and do like a 
uh, <laughs> I always think of dupl- dupl- duplicating um, on your desktop. They they take the air traffic control um, and duplicate that in a church so they can do their own air traffic controlling. Which at the time I was like, that's the the most anxiety inducing job ever. It would freak me out. Like, would it freak you out? Yeah. I'd have a heart attack doing air traffic control. Are you kidding me? One false call and and planes collide in the middle of the air or on the ground and millions, not millions, so hundreds of people die. During a whole big part of that, this movie, they have planes circling the runway just in the sky. Yeah. Waiting. Forever waiting. Waiting to land. And you're just like, why? Couldn't they just, you know. Dallas is a pain in the ass airport. So like. It doesn't surprise me in a way that the ineptitude of that airport would say to themselves, Dar, let's have them circle the runway. Like, like that's the dumbest decision you could make. But for that particular airport, which I don't think operates particularly well, it makes sense. There's also the smartest guy in this movie, other than John McClane, uh, plays the janitor, um, who frequently comes up with like what they need to do. He's the walkie-talkie guy. Oh, the walkie-talkie guy. <laughs> He's like, this is how the walkie-talkies do. It's the 90s. He had to show us. This is where the terrorists are. They're out here in this church. <laughs> like, I'm here to explain everything. Like, Thank you, Mr. Jared. Captain, explain Without me. you in this movie, no one would know what would be going on. It would be very hard. Um. Yes. You want to hear something crazy? Yeah. Gene Siskel ranked this film as the sixth best movie of 1990. What? Were there some really shitty movies in the 90s? Uh, Roger Ebert, who he gave the original film a negative review, described the sequel as, quote, terrific entertainment, despite noting the substantial credibility problems with the plot. What were they smoking, Siskel and Ebert, with this movie? Are we being too hard on this movie? I mean, I, I think that if we were reviewing this movie back in 1990... We probably would have been kinder to it, yeah. but we've had enough time to say that it doesn't necessarily hold up. There's lots of air. There, there's uh, an airplane explodes. Like he lights a fire, and the fire chases the airplane, and it's cool, and it goes boom. <laughs> no, I just feel like movies have become so much more sophisticated, even when they are of the like boom crash variety. I mean. Granted, I haven't seen them, but I've heard great things about the Fast and Furious movies, and there's a lot of, like, you know, vehicle crashing and things like that that I'm like, I'm sure that those are probably higher quality. The screenplay was adapted from a novel called 58 Minutes. It had the same premise, but differs slightly. A cop must stop terrorists who take an airport hostage while his daughter's plane circles overhead. He has 58 minutes to do so before the plane crashes. Oh, well, that's a movie starring Harrison Ford. So what Harrison they did was Ford. they copy-pasted John McClane into this screenplay based on a book that didn't have John McClane in it. it would have 100- I think that's how they make most of the Die Hard movies after the first one. They're just like, oh, man, you know what would be great in this movie? John, John McClane. But but what you just but described. They, but they forget, like they copy and paste. It's like when you're when you're cheating, like you're in college or something, and you cheat yes. on an essay. Yes. You like buy one of those essays online. Oh, I did that. And once. then you change some of it. You're like, what if they just like plug it into Google and they're like, oh no, oh no, look at it all come up. So you're like, oh, okay, I'm gonna 
I'm going to do some of these parts by myself. We went to school long enough ago that we didn't probably didn't have to worry about that quite as much. But I did do exactly what you just described. It was the one time I ever bought a paper and it wasn't nearly as good as what I could personally write. And that was a problem for me because my, my thing wasn't that I didn't like to do my work. It was that I didn't have time to do this one assignment. So I bought this paper thinking like whatever. And then I read it. And I was like, I could do so much better than this. They're going to be like, who wrote this? This isn't how Chrissy writes. So I had to rewrite it to make it sound better. And I bought it. The best president of the United States ever, President John McClain. Oh, wait. That doesn't work. <laughs> Not for this one. Oh, man. Uh, it was the first film to use digitally positive live action footage with a traditional matte painting that had been photographed and scanned into the computer. Interesting. Speaking of 90s technology, it was the last scene which took place on a runway. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Did you know that John Leguizamo was in this movie? What? I didn't even know that until I read the IMDb I trivia. I love John Leguizamo. Who was he? According to his, autobi- his autobiography, his role was intended to be much larger until the filmmaker film filmmakers <laughs> realized how short he was. Yeah. He's like 5'6". His part was cut down to one line, which was dubbed by someone else. <laughs> Where was he? It's like, where's know. Waldo? But where's John Lucas? We could probably movie? Google that and find it. Mm. Other uh, trivia for this movie. Um, Rennie, the director made sure that the scene where um, Major Grant says to McLean that he is the wrong guy in the wrong place at the wrong time mm-hmm. with him, with McLean responding, yeah, story of my life. Uh, he wanted to end up in the movie's trailer because it perfectly summed up McLean's character. It does. That's true. Or at least his situation at that point in time. Um, Black and Decker paid to have its cordless drill featured in a scene with Bruce Del- Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. When the scene was cut, the company sued 20th Century Fox in the first Shut ever up. product placement lawsuit for a film. The $150,000 do- $150, claim was settled out of court. Holy crap. I wonder which scene he had like a, a cordless drill. <laughs> Yippee ki yay, m- Mr. Falcon. He's got like a cordless drill. He's like attacking someone. Vroom, vroom. <laughs> Don't you love the people that are like, we have to get our cordless drill in Die Hard 2, guys. Any which way we can. Cordless drill. It's of the utmost importance that this cordless Black & Decker drill makes its way to Die Harder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think, like which which scene needed more cordless drill. Um, a lot of scenes, I'm like needed a little bit something else. <laughs> Most of them were, were any logic, but yes. a cordless drill might have helped in some of the scenes. I would. I'm sure it was the the luggage things. Like, yeah, he busts in some luggage. Someone had a cordless drill, and he's like, "What is this?" And he opens up, and he's like, "Oh, cool, I'll take it." This is a bla- he's like, "This is a black and decker." Blah 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 blah. <laughs> You know what? It could have been used in that snowmobile st- scene too. Like he, like as he's going through the air, it's like. Vroom, vroom. Speaking of things not like being out of place in this movie, uh, Bonnie Bedelia, who plays uh, the wife McLean, yeah, the, yeah. The, the wife, she's stuck up in plane, like you know, doing whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an old lady next to her who has a fucking taser gun or like a correct. There was a woman who had a taser speaking gun. Speaking of like this de- movie was definitely from the nineties. I'm like. She just, what the fuck? Like what? She just like, wants I to can't even have people, like, I can't even have a bottle of moisturizer on a plane anymore. <laughs> and this woman has a taser gun. I mean, this was before there were a whole bunch of checks and balances preventing you from taking things like that in an aircraft. But that's beat up, damn, yo. Damn, yo. Beat 
up, yo. Denver was unseasonably snowless during the shooting of the snowstorm scenes, and a fair amount of snow had to be created artificially. Oh, womp womp. Sounds like they just they shot this all over the place. Yeah. So you remember the scene where he like climbed up a ladder mm-hmm. um and like he poked his head out and like the plane was coming at him? Yes. Like number one, like where was he? <laughs> I have no effing but idea. But number two, apparently that scene had had to be filmed from eight different locations. Why? Granada Hills oh my when God. he was in the tunnel and climbing up the ladder. LA close ups of like somebody inside the plane's like cockpit, Mojave Desert, sure. uh, plane in the sky, shot of the plane in the sky, Michigan exterior shot of the grating door on the. It's crazy, like eight different places. It's a lot, and no then of them this are movie like took congruent. like seventy million dollars. It did seem like a high budget for what it was. They have like twenty thousand locations and an explosion one, in each one. One building in in number one, it would have been fine. Eh, yeah, but you know that's easy. Um, the Russian title for Die Hard, sure. In all of the three first movies, is a hard nut to crack. A hard nut to crack. Yes, amazing. And this is the saddest piece of IMD trivia we we mentioned this oh, earlier no. in the making up featurette for Die for for Die Hard. Um, with a vengeance. This is for the vengeance. Reginald Vell Johnson said that after his appearances in the first two Die Hard films, mm-hmm. he would be frequently teased and joked at by friends and people on the street for his character's obsession with Twinkies. <laughs> with some people even going far as to buy Twinkies and throw throw them into his car when he was inside. Oh my god! And saying things like, "Oh, we know you wanted some of those." Shut up! <laughs> oh my god! What a tough situation. Carl! Like, oh, Steve Jesus. Urkel comes in. I know throws, exactly. Throws some... Uh, hey, Carl! What was his catchphrase? Oh, did I do that? Did, did I, I do, do that? Always like Stefan. Stefan? He was he, so cool. He was so suave. So cool by comparison. Suave Stefan. Man. Okay, so what would be your <laughs> final grade for Die Hard 2? Uh, C... C minus somewhere in there, <sighs> and you C minus. Okay, I feel so much better because, like, I'm like, Meh, I don't care about this movie, but I'm so glad to hear you say that. That makes like me said, feel better and vindicated. It's been forever. I thought it was much better. No, it's it not. But I guess as a kid, when you're watching it, you're just kind of like looking for those big, crazy action scenes, right? And you're just like, oh yes, Die Hard two. Yeah, and I want we, more explosions and, then when you get older and grenades. And you're like. Not like Chrissy, but trying to find logic or any sense of uh, Shred of redeeming qualities. continuity, uh, you get lost. So. Oh, 100%. Um, so, yeah. Like I said, it's it's okay. It's worth watching at least once, I guess. Okay. I- I'm fine with that. So, Chrissy. Yeah. I'm going to let you go. Okay. Are you ready for the snack challenge? It's time for the mystery snack challenge. So, everybody, I need to do one final touch to the snack challenge to make it slightly more palatable for our challenger, Justin. So, keep him company with things like, I don't know, the Jeopardy theme and your thoughts on Die Hard 2. Whatever they may be. I wish we had, like, a phone number. That would be a perfect time right now. It'd be like, and now we're going to take some calls. Um, actually, so go ahead and go. I'm, go- I'm and, going. And, and while, while you do it quickly. So... I'm going to look and see what the Maltz thinks. It's been a while since the Maltz has been on the show. Um, Leonard Malton. Movie historian. Um, we have his 2007 movie guide. 
right here. Just because when we're watching movies, we have to know what he what he's thinking about them. So for Die Hard two, he gave it three stars. Chrissy, he says, Stupend- stupendously unbelievable, but very entertaining sequel to the action hit. But very interesting. Okay. While waiting for his wife to land at Washington's Dole's, Air- Dole's Airport, Willis dives headfirst into trouble when he gets wind of an impending terrorist type plot. Lots of violent, large scale action and lots of fun. Just don't look for lots of logic. Based on Walter Wager's novel, 58 Minutes. So, if he does four stars, so it seems like he liked it more than us. Mots. Mots. Anyway. So, anyway, that was Die Hard 2. I'm going to have to say, I'm kind of anxious about this mystery snack challenge. It involves microwaving? Yeah. That's scary. Is it going to be hot? Is there is there going to be an explosion of, of tastes and smells? Okay, well, I didn't know that it was 15 seconds, so... Did it feel like in an eternity I was gone? It's almost gone. I noticed. So, backstory about this mystery snack challenge. Oh, God. There's a backstory? A little one. Just a little one. Yikes. A tiny one. This is something that I haven't made in probably almost 20 years, but was something that approximately 20 years ago, I made fairly regularly as a treat to myself with absolutely no regard for how good or bad it might be for me. Whoa. I would just get home. Is this Kool-Aid crack? No, you don't heat that up. I would stir three ingredients together and nuke it and eat it straight. It's going to make me sick. I mean, it shouldn't. If anything makes you sick, Justin, it's going to be the the copious amounts of sangria you had tonight and not the mystery snack challenge. Scared. Okay. If 16-year-old Chrissy McQueen could handle this, Here. you can handle this. All right, you got it covered with paper towel. Are you going to present it so I can see this? I'm excited. What is it? <laughs> Do you want to smell I, it first? Is it going to spill? Yeah, well, Do I want to smell it first? <laughs> what does it smell like? It smells like chocolate. Okay. What is it? What is this? It looks like looks like diarrhea, Chris. What's <laughs> this? Not. Well, whose diarrhea looks like that? It, it's it looks like soupy chocolate. <laughs> well, what is this? It does look like soupy chocolate. What is this? It is well, it used to be when I was 16 melted butter. This looks like But instead of melted butter it is now oil, motor oil. <laughs> it does look like motor what oil. Is this? Do you drink this? <laughs> no, this was something you you ate as a kid? <laughs> yeah. Not as a kid as a 16-year-old. So here's what you do. Um first of all, can I explain? Stop. This is gonna. This is since I've been to the dentist. <laughs> okay, wait, hold, please. Please go. I'm trying. Um, back when I was 16, it was real butter. Uh, we don't keep real butter in this house. We keep um, Earth Balance. So it's Earth Balance margarine melted, which is probably why it's soupier than it was 15 years ago. Uh, and then unsweetened cocoa powder, just like poured in. And brown sugar until it's so grainy you can taste the grains when you have like a bite and you just stir it all up. The fuck, Chrissy? What <laughs> is this? It's three ingredients. What is I this? I used to call it my fudge. <laughs> I love your face when you said, I used to call it my fudge. All right, well, 
you're gonna have to narrate when I do this. Hold on. I would love to. Dustin's just put down his microphone. He has the fudge in his hand. <laughs> I have the fudge. Turn off your mic. I thought you did. It's still on. Okay. I'm going to do this. Okay. I almost want to just drink it. Well, it's soupier than it used to be. Oh, my God. (laughs) And he's going in for a second sip. And now it's on his chin like a goatee. Dribbling in chocolate. This is pure sugar, Chrissy. (laughs) Like This is sugar on top of sugar on top of sugar. Well, this is actually a slightly better for you version because A, it's earth balance, and B, it's the brown sugar Splenda blend, so it's like less real sugar. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) That's something else, Chrissy. (laughs) Some days I wouldn't even eat dinner. I would just come home. How many cavities did you have as a kid? A lot. But I would come home from school, (laughs) and I'd be like... I don't feel like making myself dinner tonight. I, I see your mom like walking on you and you have like a huge like popcorn sized bowl. That's exactly the type of, of bowl I used of, to make this of, in. Of, of your fudge. Like this is my fudge. And you're just like <laughs> scooping. Like you're not even using a spoon. Or, or you're like ladling it into your mouth. So that is 100%. I need to take a picture for us to upload later. This is 100%. And this fudge is literally like drilling itself into your enamel <laughs> of your tooth. So 100% that is... No, Justin, I'm trying what? to take a picture. Why are you taking a picture of me? Just smile, please. Uh, so long ago... Do I have it all in my face? <laughs> you have a little bit. It's like a goatee. What, what I used to do is I would get home from school and my mom wasn't too much of a cook by this point. She was a better cook when I was younger, but she <laughs> fell off the wagon. So I'd come home from school and I'd be like, what do I want for dinner? Do I want to nuke myself some fake mashed potatoes? Do I want to like eat some pickles? I want I'm fudge. You, I'm surprised you don't have diabetes after <laughs> if, if that's what you ate every day when you came home from school. Not every day. Not every day. No, not every, every day. other day. No, 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 no. Like maybe once a week at that. Like maybe. It was just something that you know what you I did? did and did well. Because there's been research on this that the the kinds of foods you eat even before, like way before you get pregnant, kind of affects your children. What? So, Don't tell me that as, those kids were affected by my choices as, when I was 16. As, as our daughter had like a complete meltdown over the fact that she couldn't have more candy after having lots of candy today. It's all kids. It's because of your fudge. No, that is all kids, Justin. Wait, so can you like put that in like a... Yeah, you can like, cover it and like use it later. Just to reheat it. It's like butter. Harder it, fudge. I've done it. Let's soup your I've fudge. I've had it where I'm like, oh, I think I had too much fudge tonight. I can't eat it all, but it's so good. So I cover it and I put it in the fridge and then I renuke it when I want it. I'm telling you, it's soupier than it ever was because it's margarine. I'd love to see an intervention episode with you, like younger Chrissy, where they walk. Like, Chrissy, your obsession and addiction to fudge affects me in these many ways. <laughs> but it's not fudge. It's only three ingredients. It's butter, brown sugar, and unsweetened cocoa powder. That's it. it. It's gross, Chrissy. What do you mean it's gross? I actually thought, okay, no joke. I went to school and you I told my friends what I was doing. Your mouth. And I was like, 
together. I want to get this bottled and sold. And this was before Shark Tank. And I was like, how do I do that? And people were like, they would think you're stupid, Chrissy. They did not think I was stupid. They were like, but this is sugar and chocolate together. They humored me. They they said sugar, chocolate and butter. Well, it's butter. So how is it going to keep in the package? I think you wouldn't be able to let it keep like it would go rancid. And I'm like, you're right. It would. I made a joke about Kool-Aid crack. Kool-Aid crack is much better than that. And Kool-Aid is just, Kool-Aid crack's like sugar and Kool-Aid, basically. I I feel hurt. What? That your Kool-Aid crack is better Have you Have you had Kool-Aid crack that. before? No. I don't like Kool-Aid. Well, you'll like Kool-Aid crack. Because if you like that, you'll like... <laughs> have to have a not, non-mystery, uh, hashtag non-mystery you know snack challenge It just occurred time. to me that because it's the brown sugar Splenda blend... <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're making excuses for your for your fudge. No, but it was just occurred to me. It's been like 20 years. It occurred to me that that might actually be sweeter because Splenda's like five times the sweetness of sugar. And I added like the same amount of brown sugar I used to always add. So it's probably five times sweeter than the brown sugar I used to use at home. I think you would have to dole it out in small portions like... You know, can like you imagine it, as a like drizzle on thimble, ice cream? Here's my thimble of, of my fudge for the day on ice cream. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. There are worse things. You ate that by the popcorn oh bowl gosh. full. <laughs> popcorn bowl full. Well, not like we're close. You have to like have Costco amounts of <laughs> sugar and 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 cocoa powder and, and half a stick of butter. Damn, Chris. I was this 92 pound, 92, soaking wet, 92 pound, 60, 16 year old girl. And that's what I ate. Like I didn't eat you other sh- things, but I ate that. You were like the guys that wrote Die Hard 2. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. Here's what we got. <laughs> we got cocoa powder. We got butter. We got sugar. Mix them all together. Put them in a popcorn bowl. Okay. <laughs> So, um, you're welcome. I would probably give that probably a C mine. It's just like Die Hard 2. Shut up. It's just too much. It's too rich, Chris. Too much. I have been told by many people that I'm too much. <laughs> you're enough fudge for me, Chris. Oh, no. This is, this is on point, man. This is on point. <laughs> this reminds me so much of my childhood. Did you, is that all that you made or did you make more? No, this is the only portion I made. Okay. Do not give that to our kids. Oh, my God. You thought the Twinkie hot dog was bad. Can you imagine? Chris, uh, Brooklyn would, she would go crazy. Do you know how you know you did it right, by the way? When you can chew the sugar on your teeth. <laughs> Again, I haven't been in a dentist in a while. All right, let's move on, Chris. Okay. Enough with the mystery snack challenge. You did a good job, I guess. I'm eating it. <laughs> so we got to talk about uh, movie number two. Which is from 1995, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Mm-hmm. In the hands of a mastermind of terror. I want to play a game with Lieutenant McLean. What kind of game? Simon Says. The path to revenge lead straight to John McClane. If we don't do what this guy says, he's going to blow up another public well, Why me? What has he got to do with me? I have no idea. He just said it had to be you. 
Nice to be needed. Simon says, get to the paper in Wall Street Station by 10.20. Or the number three train and its passengers vaporize. I'm not jumping through hoops for some psycho. That's a white man with white problems. You deal with it. Where the hell are you going, McClane? I know what I'm doing. Not even God knows what you're doing. This guy wants to pound on you till you crumble. Are you aiming for these people? No. Well, maybe that mime. He wants you to dance to his tune and then kill you. Oh, dear. You don't like me because I'm white. I don't like you because you're going to get me killed. On May 19th. This is a bad idea. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm a New York police officer. I'm going to ask you to calmly and quietly start moving towards the other end of the car. When the theater goes dark. Trust me, guys. setting off bombs and for some reason he's very angry with me <laughs> this as they say is where the plot thickens they knocked over the federal reserve bruce willis jeremy irons samuel l jackson congratulations you're still alive. Yippee-ki-yay, mother. In a John McTiernan film, Die Hard with a Vengeance. John McClane, NYPD. Are you all right? Yes. Laundry day. Don't get it twisted. It's the third movie, not the first. So the log line for this one is, John McClane and a Harlem store owner are targeted by German terrorist Simon Gruber in New York City where he plans to rob the Federal Reserve Building. Simon says, I have a riddle for you that I'm only going to say one time because I'm testy. So, Die Hard with Vengeance, the third one. First time you saw it, Chrissy, was yesterday. Yeah. What do you think? I actually enjoyed this one. You did? I did. I enjoyed it more than uh, Die Hard 2. Which one did you fall asleep more during? Die Hard 2. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you saying that you're unfair because you fell asleep? Well, this is like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Did I fall asleep because it was terrible? This is true. Or the other way around. So, I love that you're getting more lively as you scoop the fudge into your mouth. <laughs> I'm going to have some of my sangria fruit and you're going to have more fudge. This is really good. I'm so tell us, what did you like about the third one? Busy chewing sugar. Um, well, a few things. I, I, I know it's going to sound really bizarre because there's a part of me that understands that it's kind of crazy, but I love the riddle aspect, the, that the bad guy was asking them riddles. Like that was the thing they had to solve. It wasn't like dismantling bombs. I mean, there was a little bit of that, but it wasn't like Mission Impossible shit where, you know, he's hovering over the thing and like it's very you know tenuous what's going to happen and you're like oh my god this was like quick we got to solve this middle school riddle that we only heard one time standing by a payphone in new york let's do it and there was something i don't know charming about it something that felt relatable as an every woman or an every man where i don't know how to dismantle bombs or like to you know hover on cables but i know how to solve riddles (laughs) so i could play along and and i kind of enjoyed that aspect of it plus Pretty much in any movie, because of my, as you would say, obsession with Nazis, which is not true, but you could give me like any villain and call Let's him- be a, honest, Chrissy. No. 
if you were having dinner. Oh, boy. With a Nazi. I'm going to have more fudge. And more fudge came to the table. <laughs> it would be like your best day. Shut up. No, but it basically, like, if you give me a German villain, I'm on board. I'm like, what? And I want to know what's their whole thing and, like, what does this mean? So you had two things working for me there, right there. Number three, and it can't be understated, Samuel L. Jackson was what every Die Hard movie so far has been missing. He was great. I mean, he's good in everything he does. But this was particularly a good partnership with uh, Bruce Willis. (laughs) I almost said Wayne. (laughs) Yes. I was this close. I'm like, Bruce Willis. You know why? (laughs) Why? Because the sugar on your teeth, you're having trouble even talking. Oh, 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 Chrissy. Oh, oh. There's guys out, out there that would pay a lot of money to see you eat that fudge that way. <laughs> Did you I get miss on the my calling? No. Okay. All right. So you're saying <laughs> one um, more relatable. relatable. He was yeah. more relatable. Uh-huh. Number two, German bad guy. Mm-hmm. Number three, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Those were the three big things for me. I also enjoyed the wag the dog plot of, you know, like creating a distraction because they were really doing something entirely different because the distraction was so plausible and it was so magnetic, you know, that like schools could have bombs. And obviously it's super unfortunate now, especially the year that we're in and and what's happened to New York since this movie has been made to watch these um, terrorist like explosions and things occur it struck a chord, you know. So uh, it, it almost makes it though. So it's normal. It's it's kind of unfortunate, but also it seems re- more real. That's exactly what I was going to say, and I was searching for the words. So yeah, it just it, it seem, makes it seem more real, and um, therefore more uh, of an investment to mm-hmm. watch. Okay. Wow, Chrissy, we line up a lot on this movie. Do we? So here's here's the deal. I'm listening. <laughs> You know I can't talk about Die Hard Vince with you shoveling fudge into your mouth all sexy-like. <laughs> oh, yeah. Super sexy. My melted margarine with cocoa and sugar. Um, Die Hard Vince my second favorite Die Hard movie. Um, I I love Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. Love, love, love him. I would put him in 90, 95% of movies if I could. Stop it! <laughs> oh my God. Stop! Justin's <laughs> really mad. I'm going to get all Arnold on you. <laughs> Put down the fudge. Put down the fudge. Get to the chopper. Um, Samuel Jackson, amazing this movie. He's got great chemistry with uh, Bruce Willis. Um, <laughs> you're doing it on that purpose now. No, now I'm trying to do it um, like less obviously. Die Hard Two was too much. Just too much. Yeah. Um, t- very illogical. They pulled it back for this movie. You know, more relatable. Things that could actually you could see happening, right? Um, closer to his uh, Die Hard one, just regular guy caught in a crazy experience. Um, there's a couple of scenes where you're like, "Oh, that's you know, a little, little not much. terribly feasible." But right. compared to Die Hard two, which we watched back to back, we're like, "Okay, oh my god, this is like a documentary, basically." <laughs> um, and then, um, yeah, the the villain in this much, much better than number two. So much better. Jeremy Irons plays Hans Gruber's brother. Jeremy baby, Irons can also do no brother. wrong, by the way. I huh? feel like every time I see him in anything, he's great. Yeah. 
so yeah, those are the three most important things in this movie. Um, and like I said, they make it uh, my my second favorite out of all the series. You're, even though I haven't seen, I didn't, I didn't even see the last one because I assume people were like, "Oh, it's garbage," and I was oh. like, "I don't have the time." Well, so. so was Indiana Jones. So, so I oh, assume Chrissy. Why <laughs> so I assume that this is your second favorite, only to the original. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and this, so this one, uh, this one actually was directed by John McTier- McTiernan, who did the first one. So oh. took a break, took a little busy break. And then watched uh, how terrible the second one went and went, I'm back. Yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm back, guys. He also did a lot of my favorite movies, Predator, Hunt for an October. Um, the Last Action Hero is not my favorite, but um, did the Thomas Crown Affair uh, remake with um, Pierce Brosnan. I've only seen the original, and I loved it, but I haven't seen the remake. Let's watch the remake. Um, this one was budgeted at 90 million, grossed 100 million, so it wasn't as big as it hit at the box office. That's a shame. Um, is it a shame? Yeah. I can't believe that the second movie grossed higher than this. Uh, so th- at the start of this movie, um, I think it's got a great beginning as well. Like the first one, not the first one, but the second one. He started, uh, you know, with the airport and like, where is he doing? What's he doing? This one starts where it's like, bam, uh, explosion pretty much. And the guy's like, we need, I, where's John McClane? Like, wake him, you know, I need John McClane. And he's basically drunk and an alcoholic. And he's, don't, I don't want the fudge. It's don't, congealed don't, nicely. Don't, did you say congealed nicely? <laughs> yeah. And so basically this guy puts him through all these things. But the first thing he makes him do is he has him wear this very unfortunate racist uh, sandwich board. Wow. And has him walk in uh, Harlem. And that off the bat, you're like, whoa. Well, first you don't even see what the sandwich board says. You know that he's up there. Great build up to the fact. Oh, they really did. And then all of a sudden you see Samuel L. Jackson go like, Kids go to school like this guy's about to get killed, and then he turns around. And you see the sign, and you're like, <gasps> "There's quite literally a sharp intake of breath when you see it." It says, "I love Chrissy's fudge." Yes, actually, the the bearer of the sign does not love fudge, so to speak. But yes, it was one of those things where you're like, "Oh my god, this is happening." Speaking of things that are happening, Justin is having more fudge by the spoonful. Still, still too, a C minus for you? Still too much. Really? You're like, you hate that I gave it a C minus. I do. Also, I don't like that you are having ginormous spoonfuls of it because I think that does it a disservice. You have to have like, you saw what I was doing, like tiny little bits. Like, You're like dribbling time. in your mouth from up above? Yes. That's how you have to eat this. It's like fondue. You don't just like put a giant ladle in fondue and then be like, mmm, fondue, and then eat it all. Like, you dabble. <laughs> I love that you've eaten it so much. Like, I'm sure, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of times as a kid that you have a special way to eat it as well. I'm telling you. Um, also, during this movie, it's not too hard to kind of watch it and understand what's going on. Which I think is a plus. That's a huge plus for me. For a movie. Um, so uh, there's a sharp uh, 
ratcheting up of, of tension throughout and you actually care about the characters and you can recognize them and there's not too many of them. You can recognize them. <laughs> there's too many dudes, too many white dudes in, in Die Hard 2. That 100%. Couldn't, couldn't keep them all straight. And it's, you know, dark through and a snowy. good portion of Die Hard 2, so it's hard to keep. So this one, a lot of it, I mean, it happens during the day. Yes. In New York, one of our favorite cities, Chris. New York, New York. New York, New York. <laughs> the Big Apple. What else did you like about it? Not like about it? Oh, what did I not like about it? Or we, we talked about what you liked. Anything you didn't like about it? I will say the last, I don't know if it's the qu- last quarter of the film. I can't remember exactly when, but I remember even thinking in this last night when we were watching it, um, that it started to get either, I can't, I don't know, having a hard time even saying it like long or like, okay, get to the point or all right, well, now we're going down these giant, you know, underground kind of tubes in the truck and now we're going to get there and then what's going to, like, it just kind of got to a point where I was starting to lose focus. Get to get to the point, Die Hard 3. Yes, and that's kind of how I felt. And when the end came, I was pretty tired by that point. I remember being like, oh, okay, well, I'm kind of glad that's over, even though I liked the film. Like, by that point, I was kind of done. So that's my only critique is probably the pacing and the last quarter being probably longer than it had to be. I love movies where they have one of those bombs that um, involves uh, when it's set off liquids going into other liquids. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a weird thing to like about a movie? No. Like, I want to see the bomb as it were. Like, you know, it goes, bloop, and then there's like liquids, like, liquids going into other liquids and you kind of know okay the liquids traveled too far this thing's gonna explode basically you want like what is it a baking soda and vinegar explosion i'm just like if if i had to pick my my explosive elements i would pick definitely pick something like that rather than like wires and all that stuff you know yeah it's not sexy it's not as sexy i want Mm -hmm. liquids makes sense i want liquids maybe a match um one of the, the big set pieces in this movie is he is trying to find a bomb on a on a subway train and he founds finds one kind of just like stuck up on the wall. Yeah, as if it's a as if it's a police phone. And speaking of logic leaps, when he has to uh slowly make his way to the back of a subway train with a possibly about to explode Oh my god. Disbursement of liquid bomb Chrissy's like, these people are not understanding. <laughs> He's literally walking how, with like an open bomb. Not is. like a briefcase that's closed. Like it's open. It's on display. You can see the wires. You can generally deduce what's going on. And he's like, everybody move. Everybody move. Like that's enough to tell you you need to move. And nobody screams. Nobody starts running. Nobody goes, oh my God, or has a question. Like everybody just is like, mm-hmm. this is also and, like, keeps moving. the infamous John McClane from Die Hard 1 and Die Hard 2. You think that they would know who this dude is by now. Would they though? No. No. The average pedestrian. He saved a whole building full of people in the first movie, Chrissy. In the second one, he basically saved multiple planes. So you know who Sully is. Would you know who he is if you were just like walking by on a subway train with an open bomb and he's like, nothing to see here. yeah, I'd be like, what's up, Sully? (laughs) Sam a shirt. Selfie. No? Dustin, you're amazing. Nope, probably not. 
Sully? I mean, if you were wearing like the outfit. I mean, he's got a he's got a nice looking face. And I he's feel got the, like the mustache. He's the type that after the fact I would say to you, I'm like, was that that guy who like landed the plane on the Hudson? And then you'd be like, Sully, yes. And I'd go. But oh. was, I mean, again, we, I think you mentioned this earlier. If Chrissy and I are out anywhere and I see someone famous, whether they be you know A level movie star or D basement reality star. I'm always the one just like pop my head up like that's blah blah blah. How does he know? I don't know how Justin knows, but he always seems to know who everybody is. Got a Rolodex in my head of these people. I know. Um Rolodex for you young listeners is something that you should look up. It's how we used to keep track of people. I got something I got some information that you might like, Chris. I'm listening. So, various scripts were written for this movie. Okay. A number of them were ultimately rejected by Bruce Willis on the grounds that a number of them felt like retreads of the action movies that came in the wake of the first film. So, obviously, Die Hard came, and then everybody in Hollywood was like, oh my gosh, we need Die Hard in a Chuck E. Cheese. We need Die Hard in a senior apartment complex. Well, he's like, I don't want to do the same thing. So, one script... Originally titled Troubleshooter, had McLean fighting terrorists on a Caribbean cruise line, but was rejected for being too similar to Under Siege with Steven Seagal. Troubleshooter was later repurposed for another sequel to a popular film that Chrissy loved. Independence Day 2. Chrissy, did you even listen to what I said? Fighting terrorists on a Caribbean cruise line. It was a joke. I know it's Speed 2. Okay. It was a joke. Can you, you're giving me this face like, Chrissy, God damn it. Like, pay fucking attention. Um, the classic Speed 2 Cruise Control. I enjoyed that movie quite a bit. <laughs> you did? Of course what? I did. I can't believe, why did you like that movie? Because I loved Speed so much that my love carried over just enough to make that movie enjoyable. Oh, well. Um, oh, my gosh. Yes. What else? About this particular movie? Yeah, 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 yeah. John McClane, man. He's a man of His all wife's, trades. So he's, is he divorced? Oh, yeah. What happened to Bonnie Bedelia? Like, that <laughs> Between was a, two and three. I did wonder. Between two and three, they're on the outs. It seems Supposedly. like he hasn't talked to her in like a year or something. He's a drunk. Se- he's, dr- he's an alcoholic. He's drunk. You assume they're separated, not divorced. That's the thing. Like, I, I almost want some... Um, some content in between these movies to kind of tell me what's going on with. Well, I John totally McClane's, agree with you. And he, and his family members. So he seemed especially his fame level. His his bat. Like, does he have his badge? No. Does he not have his badge? Why? Two things. Number one, he seemed so hungover at the beginning of the movie that I even thought to myself, I'm like, he must have a really shitty life between these movies. Like, again, would rather be friends with Kiefer Sutherland than um, Bruce Willis. And the other thing was that. The cop picks up the phone and the German um, guy who we later find out who he is, but at the time he's like, and where is your star agent, John McLean? And he's like, oh, he's suspended. And I'm like, who just says that to somebody on the phone? Like, <sighs> yeah, one of my key lieutenants totally off the, you know, he's on like the DL basically. <laughs> who says that? that? Simon says... Simon says, send Chrissy with her favorite fudge to the corner of, you know. 52nd and Broadway. All right, here's some IMDb trivia. You ready for it? Yes. 
So the sandwich board war while filming in Harlem was originally blank rather than text to ensure no one was offended by the racist message. The, the actual thing they put on it uh, was added with CGI in post-production. Some TV broadcasts use an alternate version where the sign says, I hate everybody, which is sometimes erroneously said to be the original version of the sign used for filming. Uh, but this too was added with CGI. So it was a blank sign. Wow. That's kind of funny. Um, Sir Sean Connery was uh, the director's first choice for the role of the villain, but he turned down the role saying that he didn't want to play such a diabolical bad guy. I get it. There was a weird sex scene in this movie. Um, once the, the, the bad guy and everyone got on the boat, it's like this, you remember the woman with the blonde hair and yeah. they're like on the boat and she gives him the look and they go and have weird sex I must have been boat. sleepy during that scene. <laughs> I should have woken you up for that part. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, man. I remember her. Uh, what made it awkward? What? What made it awkward or weird? Just the fact that they like disappeared on a boat? Because it was out of the blue. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson said that Zeus is the closest character to my personality of any that I've played. Really? Yeah. How interesting. You ever thought about stealing all the gold from the Federal Reserve, Chrissy? I mean, if I could get away with it, who wouldn't think of that? So you would actually need 480 dump trucks to steal Jeez. all the gold from the Federal Reserve. Let me get right on that. I'll tell you when I have them. That's a lot of dump trucks. Yep. That is a lot of dump trucks Where and a you- lot of money to split. How do you find all those dump trucks? Like, is there... Well, I mean, you tell them, hey, everyone, we're going to split up all these gold bars. I'm sure people are like, okay. Anyway. Die Hard with a Vengeance. What would be your final grade, Chris? B minus. As I drink more of this. B minus? Yeah. B minus. So we gave the, the second one C minus. Yeah, this one like a Full B. Full letter grade B, higher. B minus, definitely. Yeah, I was between a B and a B minus, but I was like, but probably a B minus. The first one, I that's an A movie. Um, B nine. This is my second favorite. That makes sense. All the rest of them are just like, oh, why did you way, bother? Way worse. Like I wouldn't even make you watch the rest of. Well, the thanks. Not I. Even me, the movie sadist. <sighs> so I married am a movie sadist. Am I, am I that bad, Chris? No, Jeez. but lately it's been manly movie March, Justin. I've had a long month. You can't enjoy manly movies. You love Top Gun, Chrissy. That's your second favorite Tom Cruise movie of all time. Now, oh dear. No? I think I might have to switch it to Vanilla Sky. Vanilla Sky? I'm kidding. It's not really my second either. Like I said, when we recorded the Tom Cruise podcast, they were all kind of six and one half dozen the other to me outside of Jerry Maguire. Um, so the Maltz for this one says, uh, this one's three stars too? Maltz, what is wrong you with you? You said he gave the other one four stars. No, he gave the, the second one two, uh, three stars. Oh. This one three stars too. He says, a madman holds uh, NYC hostage with bombings. And threats some more, targeting his demands at ousted cop John McClane, who inadvertently acquires a partner in hostile Harlem storekeeper Jackson. This is all plot summary. He has a, a blurb. Okay. Logic and motivation take a back seat to big scale action in this nonstop roller coaster ride. It's like watching 12 chapters of a high tech Saturday matinee serial all at once. I feel like he could have inverted his two reviews and it would have made more sense. I don't know, Maltz. Yeah. If you like those a lot more than we did. All right, then. Explain it more, Maltz. You know what it's time for, Chris? What's it time for, Jess? It's time for a few good questions. Yay! 
Okay, let me ask you a few questions. Ask me anything you like, I'll tell you the truth. It's a bullshit question. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. Well, if you just answer the question, why don't you just answer the question? Be honest, no big deal. Yeah, answer it. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! So since this is uh, episode 150, we reached out and uh, got uh, a few questions. We're going to do rapid fire Q&A. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. For uh, So from uh, the more gooder than podcasts, our movie pod squad bros, Chris from that podcast says, question, if Chrissy was going to cast you in a movie about your podcast, who would she choose and vice versa? Go, Chrissy. So normally, if it were anything else, like just like a movie about your life or our life or whatever, yeah. I would be forced to pick Ben Affleck ever since that homeless guy on the street was like, hey, you Ben Affleck. You Ben Affleck. Yeah. Okay. But um, our, our podcast is, is sillier and funnier and wittier, I think, than Ben is in okay. movies. Okay. So Taron Killam. Taron Killam from Saturday uh, He was on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Now on... Uh, Hamilton is he on the touring Hamilton? Yeah, New York he's the or king. New York Hal- Hamilton. No, I think he's on the Hamilton tour. Okay. Okay. In Chicago, Chicago. Who would play? Who would play you? Or wait, no, that's not my choice to make. Um. So is anyone seen Pretty Little Lies show on HBO? No, it's not Pretty Little Lies. You're 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 conflating Pretty Little Lie Liars with um Big Little Lies. Big little has anyone seen Big Little Lies on HBO? <laughs> um, Reese yes. Witherspoon mm-hmm. on the show. Chrissy, I think I think Reese Witherspoon would play you very well. You look similar, number one. Okay. You're full of energy and fun, number two. But you're also devious as well, and you make f- gross sugar filled fudge and make me eat it. So, are you likening more likening me more to Reese Witherspoon or to the character of Madeline? <laughs> no, uh, more Reese, Reese Witherspoon. Oh, okay, I do like the character of Madeline too, and I see shades <laughs> of myself in her as well. But or, yes, or we could do uh, a younger uh, Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann um, from the uh, This is forty. This is forty. Like we could have it. We, we could have had like a This is thirty, and that would have been us. It could be. Yeah, I agree. We, need, we should make this. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Um, Brian, uh, Shampoo from Buds, Beers, and Brutality, another movie pod squad, Potter and Family uh, member and um, good friend, says, if you could take any movie villain or monster and get them to do your bidding, who or what would it be and what would you have it or them do? Chrissy? Go first, Justin. Go first. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking something like um, Pinhead... Walking our dog, <laughs> because here's what happened: we we've lived in this complex. We we have a townhome in a complex of townhomes um, that is in a very gated. small gated community. And when we moved here. There's like a patch of grass, like what twelve feet out here, not even twelve from feet. our front door yeah. that we used to take our dog because we're like, oh man, it's so close, it's so it's right up front the convenient. door. And then, what, a couple months afterwards, we got the note that you can't have your dog's poop there. Somebody complained to the HOA, and the HOA wrote us a letter, and they were like, hey, assholes, you have to take your kid, uh, your kid, well, kind of, your your fur kid, 
outside. We know that you're picking up after your dog every time because we've been apprised of that. So instead like, of going 10 but you 12 need to go feet, further. I got to get a uh, like a, a door, a, a garage door, not a garage door. Yeah, opener. yeah, to go out of the gate, gate opener. Like 30, 40 feet. And so you was, want Pinhead to walk Maggie instead? Well, it's because they put a sign up that says no dogs pooping no, right not, here. No, it just says no pooping. Like, no, not you either. Like, you can't <laughs> like, go out there I'm and I'm going to go poop. out there and poop? It says no pooping. Well, I'm saying if I had Pinhead, <laughs> nobody would fuck with him. They'd be like, what? I'd be like, Pinhead, go take Maggie out to poop. Like, right in front of the no pooping sign. And he'd be like, I will do th- <laughs> I will do this. So I still sometimes ignore that notice. I most of the time do, do try to take her out, but I sometimes I think will screwed still go up. Out there and like do it. that's one of the main reasons we got this place. I know, and so that's like a total switcheroo, bait and, and switch, I, bait and switch. So Pinhead, walk my dog. Thank you, Pinhead. What would you do? Oh, for my people and what I would yeah, do with yeah, them. Yeah. Uh, the aliens from Independence Day. <gasps> okay. And I would bring them in to take over the Trump administration, <gasps> or take them down. He took down Bill Pullman with like the whole take like take him down or take over. So we're gonna have, we're gonna <laughs> that's a big thing. Um. So our new president will be the alien from Independence Day. Are you talking about the one where it's like he's behind the glass with like yes, <laughs> that's like exactly that. the one I was thinking of. So where even he's like, so what even, do you want? Where even he goes, that would be better so than now, what we have. Well, so now I'm imagining instead of Bill Pullman, I'm imagining Donald Trump going, "What do you want us to do?" On the other side of the glass, and he's like, "Die." Die. And then the sound comes in, and instead of Bill Pullman, it's Donald Trump being like, "Oh, oh man, I have the best ears, but right now they're the worst ears." And like he goes down, or uh, <laughs> like how Putin's like, like oh, Trump's like a, a, a puppet for Putin. <laughs> Trump would be a puppet for the alien, like you know, like waving about. Like, what's the guy's oh, name? Man. What's the guys with the crazy hair? That, the Qua- the, the Quaid alien character? talks to, huh? What are you talking about? Oh, oh, Doctor Orkin. Yeah. Yeah. You know, at some point, they just talk through him. Mm-hmm. It'd be Trump instead. Release me. Yes. No. Universal health care. <laughs> Thanks, alien from Independence Day. I know. Mad ups to you, bro. It's a great villain. Thanks, uh, Brian. Good question. Um, Dave from the Super Movie Bros podcast, Chrissy. Ooh-hoo. Here's what he said. He says, what is Justin's go-to sex move? <laughs> Not position. Sex move, Chrissy. I wasn't even going to ask that one, but after having some sangria, you go ahead. Go ahead. What's my sex move? So I love Justin so much. And you have to keep in mind that we've been together for so, 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 so long that there is very little left to the imagination. And it's just not like, you don't have to beat around the bush. Pretty much. Pretty much. Or like, wink, wink. He plays, you know, to wink, be, wink. I have to be fair. Justin plays a long game. He knows that I'm always busy and tired and doing 10 million things. So like his sexy move is to be like, he smacks me in the butt as I walk by. And then when I turn on, I go, whoa, he's like, hey. And then I know I'm like, oh, I'm on the clock. That means sometime in the next 24 to 36 hours, it's on. I'm really up front. About this, <laughs> we also have a code name. I I basically just drop the code name sometimes. Like I'll send a text with a code name, and she knows it's I have, business time. I have got to tell you something. I won't tell you 
I won't. I won't reveal the code name well, on the, the air. I don't. No. No. Then people will be just dropping the code name uh, all the time. All the time. But like, I will no, tell you, I don't want that with you. Amazing. I was talking to somebody, a, a mutual friend in real life, the other day, whom we both know very well, and this person was making fun of somebody else. And they were like, "Dude." They even had like a code word for sex. They called it, and it was our code word. <gasps> and I like peed my pants. Did you slap them? I was like, shut the fuck up. And she goes, yeah, what a stupid code word that they were using. Oh, first shut of up, all. you. And I was like, um, except. <laughs> I'd explain. I'm like, guys, when you've been together for 13 years, if you have to use code names to make it happen, you use code names. Apparently. When you have two kids, sometimes you got to use code names for other things. Yes. Anyway, if that's too much, then describe your most awkward uh, movie viewing experience. You should do that one because last week I talked about Jerry Maguire with my dad. Oh, that's right. You did. Um, what? Do you have an awkward movie viewing experience? I think I, I just had a lot with like... Oh, Growing up with my mom, um, I had a younger brother who was three years younger than me. And I just remember a lot of instances where we conned my mom. Oh, we talked about one of them, Roadhouse. So we like conned my mom into seeing Roadhouse at a very young oh, age. No. She was like, look, it's about Patrick Swayze. And he like runs a bar. And she didn't know anything about the weird, awkward, like fucking against the fireplace scene or the, uh, you know, riding bareback you know, weird girls in the back room of the bar scene. So those those would like crop up. And then afterwards, you know, if we're like riding on the way home, she'd be like, well, that was interesting. So I'll see. You tell me about that. I'll see your roadhouse experience <laughs> and I'll raise you a trip to L.A. Your mom took about five years ago. And we sat her on the couch and made her watch. Well, that's not because I'm and I could I could do stuff like that. Just Gigolos, Justin. Gigolos on Showtime. If no one's seen it, quality quality show, especially to show your mom. That's just out of the blue. And 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 not just like she's like the sweetest woman ever. She is this reality sweet, show following some Gigolos Christian woman from the south. Some like Skinamax type reality sex. Yeah. So totally not her bag. And yet we were like, here you go. Here you go, Mima. Do you want to sit down and watch this fine piece of art with us? Because it's about to happen. I mean, I have to give her massive props that she didn't like freak out or anything. She was, I give her massive props as well. She was just like, did you know about that? Did, did you, you know about that? Are y'all sure you want me to watch this? <laughs> um, our bros Dan and Cody from the Dan and Cody podcast uh, say, um, they go back and forth on this. Dan, I think, says, would you ever have your kids on the podcast to discuss kids' movies down the road? Yes. 100%. Yeah. I just went to see Beauty and the Beast uh, with with our daughter. Um, Pretty good. Pretty good. So are you telling me I get next weekend off and she's going to record with you? Is that what I'm hearing? (coughs) She's only four. And um, I, can, like wait, if I would, wait, can we do here, an invitation? So I'll be Brooklyn. So here's exactly what Brooklyn would say. If you're like, so Brooklyn, what did you think about beating the beast? Um, uh, good. That's it. She's it's good. That's it. <laughs> like if she had to critique it, she said it was good. 
But then she would talk about something that like really random that scared her out of the blue. She'd be like, but then when the horses, they were running so fast. Well, he's like a werewolf in a couple of scenes in that movie. Like he gets really gnarly. So she was kind of scared of that. So. Well, yeah. Um, so yeah, we would uh, down the line definitely have her. If we're still doing this, uh, Cody says, this is, this is Cody's question. Would you ever attempt to have a child on your podcast? Which I think we, that's yes. Or would you ever attempt to create a child on your podcast? Well, being that I just had a dream recently that I was pregnant <laughs> with a like third. like weird science. Like we're at the computer or something. Yeah. But being that I had a dream that I was pregnant with a third kid and, and I is told Justin about this during dream. During the podcast, Cody? That's pretty crazy. Well, wait, so hold on. So I told I told Justin about the stream and he was like, oh, no. <laughs> so to answer the latter part of that question, probably not. No, not while we're doing the podcast. Or ever because we think we're done with two kids. We, we, we try to separate that. That's that's a lot of multitasking to. to no, no. Um, Dan says, would you join Scientology if you knew that after five years you'd reach Tom Cruise status and have a lot of money? No. 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 It's not worth it. Tempting. Not worth it. Um, would Chrissy ever be a surrogate for Tom Cruise in exchange for front row seats to a Mission Impossible premiere and VIP? Oh, that's first. And then VIP tickets to Heaven's Gate upon your deaths. Oh, hell yeah. No. No. No, no, no. no. All the nope. No. However, if you had like combined and rephrased those questions of would you be Tom Cruise's surrogate for like the money and fame that Tom Cruise has within five years, maybe because then I don't have to actually believe in Scientology or be a Scientologist. Well, that's, that's like, yeah, you would have his baby, but you wouldn't have to be a Scientologist, right? Maybe I would farm you out for that, Chris. Okay, would you do it for us? Um, and then you would do like a switchies, switchies back to me. It, you have to be Kate. You have to be Katie Holmes, like it's really, while, really oh man. And then you can, like we said last week, not without. Not without my daughter out of that, back to my, my loving, non-crazy arms. I've often thought of being like a surrogate for like my gay friends and things like that. And I, I there's a part of me that's all about it. It's just too much for Chrissy. For me, I, I get so attached to, like I really get attached when I'm pregnant to to my babies, <laughs> that I can't imagine like... Because they're literally attached to you as well. Well, yes. But, and they're active, man. I can't imagine like having them... Like at birth and then not having them. Like that would just, I think, kill me. So yes, surrogate, no Scientology. Yes, surrogate, but not for Mission Impossible tickets. No, like Tom Cruise like money. Yeah. Like we could do escape like witness protection program away from everyone. Like that'd be it. Yeah. Good stuff. Thanks, guys. Uh, Ashley from the Cutaways podcast. Ashley. We'll do these quick. When will April the giraffe finally give birth? Don't know. Haven't paid attention. Have no idea. Don't care. <laughs> Sorry. Do you, do you have snoring remedies? My husband has grown rather loud. Oh, my God. So here, I'll answer this for Chrissy. Her snoring remedy is to escape. Go, go into a completely different room on a different floor of our townhome. Yep. Escape. And, and that's what she's been doing lately, and it's worked well for her. It has. And I'm not going to... I can't help it, guys. Sometimes I snore. Here's my problem. I wait too long to do it, though, because I want to give Justin the benefit of the doubt that he's going to get his shit together and stop snoring. My shit together? What am I supposed to do, Chrissy? Stop it's fucking biology. snoring. Stop. How am I supposed to stop? When I kick you, you stop. I'm going to get my sleep apnea mask. Well, I can't. We were talking about that before we the were. podcast. <laughs> There's nothing sexier. Let's talk about code words. Once you know I put my sleep apnea mask on, it is time sudden, to be, get sexy. You become Bane. You're like, oh. <sighs> Chrissy. 
You look so sexy next to me as I breathe. If you notice, I'm not wearing pants, Chrissy. <laughs> no snoring tonight. Let's do it. Uh, and then last, who lives, who dies, and who tells your story, Chrissy? Oh, I wish it were Lin-Manuel Miranda telling my story. It would be a really good story. Yep. Yeah. But you know who probably tells my story? Yep. My mom. For real? Yeah. She survives you? I think so. Oh, man. She's going to live forever, that one. Really? I think so. She's not doing too well right now. She's got a bum hip. The women in my family have like a bunch of like little things throughout their entire life that makes them complain a lot, and then they live forever. My Both my grandmothers live to 94. To like Robocopper or something to, to get her through it. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for those questions, Wait, you guys. didn't answer them. Huh? You didn't answer. Yeah, I did. No, you didn't. I don't care about her April the Giraffe. Right. Um, I, if I had a snowing remedy, I would have done it already. Um, <laughs> the latter who, one. Who lives, who dies, who tells your story. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Chrissy lives, I die, and she tells our story together. We also have... I'm the Eliza. We have over 150 hours of story on this friggin' podcast. You could literally go back, find out so much about us, embarrassing stuff, you know, My job is really easy if I am telling your story because I'm going to be like... Eliza Light. I'm just going to sit there and be like, Eliza, I put myself back in the narrative. And then I'll press play. Anyway. <laughs> thanks, Ashley. Thanks all, for all those questions, guys. Um, Chrissy. What? Thanks for doing 150 episodes with me. Oh. I love you. I love you. Where can people find us on the interwebs? Uh, lots of different places. Basically, anywhere you look, everywhere you look. There's so I married movie. So we're geek. on uh, Podbean. We're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. Stitcher? We're on Twitter, Facebook, Stitcher, Facebook, Inst- no, not Instagram. I'm on Instagram, Snapchat. and people have added me on Instagram, which you're more than welcome to do. It's Chris Winters with a K, um, and Snapchat is is Movie Geek Cast. We're we're we still still have our uh, Human Centipede Challenge. If anybody wants to give us some uh, five star. Or even four star iTunes reviews and ratings, or or just none because you hate us and that's see, fine. We'll have to watch. Uh, nope, Human I'm soon. good. I'm good. It's okay. Um. Yeah. Uh. Thanks for uh, listening, guys. We appreciate Here's it. Here's to a hundred and fifty more. <laughs> that was great. That was in tune. All good. We didn't even rehearse it. Um. So yeah. Uh. Thanks for listening, guys. We really, really appreciate it. Stay tuned next week. We got a couple guests coming on to discuss two more movies, one of which is one that's been on our list for years, and we're finally going to get to it, one of my favorites. Um, it's going to be fun times. About time. About time. Peace, love, and fudge. What? Peace, love, and fudge? Always oh, to have fudge to eat. Anyway, see you next week, guys. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye.